Titty. Yo. We're recording the conversation with you right now. Oh, are you really? Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you bring us in? Uh, go ahead and record an intro. Ladies and gentlemen, coming to you live from the 101 freeway in my wife's car because mine's broken down. <laughs> Let's get into it from my iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's a little too real. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Let's Get Into It. We are here in beautiful Sedona, Arizona. David Dave uh, made the trek. Wonderful out here. To, uh, to come to the Sedona Film Festival. Um, Tootie, who you heard prior to <laughs> starting the show, is uh, not able to come because real talk, people have to work. He does makeup for Mario Lopez. That's his livelihood. That's how he takes care of his kids. So when David, Dave, and I have to come up and do the festival, it's gonna. It has to be without Titty. Um, I want to get right into our guest today because um, he's eclectic. He's done an enormous amount of work. He knows everybody. He's. Are you an activist? Of course. Okay, good. Just making sure. <laughs> and he, it took me a while to accept that, but we'll get into that. I'm yeah. Sure. You know, we sort of reconnected through Almaraz and through Gaitino, which is your wonderful, uh, it's kind of like a musical play. A little bit. It's yeah, got music I in it. I would say it's a musical play. Yeah. A play with music. A play with music. Uh, and now you have Gaitino, which is made in America, which is the movie version. Correct. Of it, which is here at the Sedona Film Festival. But you've done an enormous amount of work. You've been connected and responsible for moving the careers forward of incredible uh, Latino actors and performers. And you talked about it you know, a little bit last yeah. night, which I, I found fascinating. But it is Dan Guerrero, ladies and gentlemen, is here today with us to talk about his career his journey and and what's happening right now with this with Gatino which is uh which is doing extremely well and it's got all the buzz here at uh at Sedona I love buzz <laughs> I love so, buzz I, I'm glad this isn't uh it's not television right yeah no it's oh, not no we're good <laughs> uh, but I'm I'm glad I'm glad you're doing this I think uh, it's important for people to hear uh, about how you've uh, traveled through the business with such grace so um how did you get started Oh, my God. I, I, how did I get started? Yeah. Well, I grew up, you know, with a, a showbiz fellow. You know, my dad was Lalo Guerrero, the father of Chicano music. So uh, early on, you know, first time I ever saw dad was performing at the Million Dollar. And uh, that's my earliest memory of being on stage, seeing him on stage. So by junior high, I was in school plays and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's always been there. And what then, did you want to do, though, when you were in high school doing the plays? What were you thinking? I don't know. I, I just liked it. I just yeah. liked it. And it was. And here's the weird thing, because I'm not exactly shy, right? But the truth is, every time I was going to go on stage, I was petrified. But it's like something I knew I had to do. You know, and so I had to work through that. But uh, everyone thinks that I was immediately going, hello, you know, center stage. But it, it wasn't. It was it was difficult for me. And um, but it was there. And I, I just liked performing, uh, always liked performing. And the big break came uh, in, in my psyche when my junior high school teacher, uh, that was Kern Junior High, which is now um, oh Griffith. It's now called. They named a school in East LA after D.W. Griffith. Will you tell me why? Is that ridiculous? My junior high school drama teacher, Mrs. Jordan, took us to the Egyptian Theater in Hollywood to see um, in its first run. This is about 1954 or 55, um, Oklahoma. 
the oh, musical wow. Oklahoma. I'd never seen a musical. I didn't know what one was. All I cared about is we were going to Hollywood. Uh-huh. And so I see that and I'm like, holy crap, wait a minute. You can go through life singing and dancing? I want to do that. So that was it. So then I started to buy every single LP of every Broadway musical. You know, at the time it would be My Fair Lady and Camelot, Bye Bye Birdie. And so sure enough, I went to Garfield and East L.A. College. And, you know, three months after graduation, Carlos Almaraz and I took off for New York. Think about this. I want people to really grasp it. Not so you could say, wow, is he great? But just the picture. You're talking about two Chicanitos from East L.A. going to New York in 1962. People weren't zapping back and forth like today. Right. You know, and, and we didn't know anybody there. We wouldn't even know anybody who'd been there. We had seen breakfast at Tiffany's. That's as much as we right. knew about New York City. And I totally wanted to be Holly Golightly. Right. And I came very close. <laughs> and, uh, and off we went. Can you believe that? You know, the things you do when you're young, yeah. you know. Now, people say it was brave, and I guess it was, but it. I, I knew that all I had to do was pick up the phone and my parents would send right. me. A, Were you scared when you to, arrived? No. Oh, my God. Are you kidding? The minute I stepped foot there and I started to see the energy and the people talking and the accents, I thought, I'm home. I'm, I'm home. Yeah. And, and I, I stayed 20 years. Yeah. Carlos went back in three months, which was our plan, really. Yeah. He took a semester off of um, uh, uh, art school, wherever, Cal State maybe. I don't know where he was at that time. Uh, to kind of help set me up. You know, yeah. Carlos was a year younger, yeah. but he was like an older brother. Because right. I was a very protected child. Yeah. I was very protected. And Carlos was Carlos ran his house, yeah. you know. So he, he knew I wanted to go and so he really went to help set me get me there. I find it really interesting and I was you know, I watched Gaytino. Uh, were you riveted yesterday? I was riveted, but what was ri- I was? You, what did you think, David? Dave, <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah. I, it wasn't what I expected, to be honest with you. Yeah, it turned out something uh, much more, right? Way much more. Yeah. I didn't know what to expect because he didn't tell me. That's exciting because I was like, "You're coming to this thing." It's Gatino, and I didn't have time to explain because playing golf and yeah. whatever we're doing. But um, but it, it worked but out. That's perfect. the best way to watch a movie, exactly. But what I did find uh, fascinating is the idea that. And, you know, not because it was Carlos, but because it's hard to separate from someone that you'd make a journey with. Oh, my And then God. all of a sudden you're like, hey, I'm going to go my way, you go yours. But oh. it's also very cool when someone finds a city and says, this city's for me. I just knew it that second. And it was difficult. Carlos and I met in grade school. Yeah. You know, we met at Humphreys Elementary School. And um, you had dreams together, right? You totally, were going to conquer totally. stuff. Yeah. He wrote, you know, remember when they did the first, I believe first time ever they did a, a Hispanic, God, I hate that word, <laughs> uh, our, um, exhibition or whatever at LACMA. Yeah. Uh, it must have been in the 80s, yeah. I guess. And Carlos was in it. And, and he gave me the catalog and he, you know, and he signed it. And then in, in, I read some article somewhere where he said at the same time that he had been saved by his friendship with me in oh, wow. school, yeah, which I found over. I thought, oh my god! I mean, I knew that I never have, I'd never used that word in particular, but I knew that he got me through. Yeah. He he got me through everything, but I guess I helped get him through right. as well. And so we, in fact, we met because we each had a, a mutual friend at Humphreys, Ishmael Ramos. Mm. I can kind of see his face, and. Um, Ishmael kept saying to me, you got to meet Charles, because he was Charles at that time. Uh-huh. And I was Eddie. 
Dan is my middle name, which right. I took when I moved to New York. You got to meet, you got to meet Charles. You got to meet, and he's saying to Charles, you got to meet Eddie. You got to meet Eddie. And he introduced us one day, and that was the end of Ishmael Ramos. We never saw him <laughs> again. Oh, you guys connected. So we much just it was connected over. instantly, <laughs> and and years, you know, as adults, one of us would out of nowhere say, I wonder whatever happened to Ishmael That's Ramos. I, I should look him up on Facebook. You know, you got to <laughs> give that guy credit, though, right? He put he puts people together. That's probably I, what he does for a living now. <laughs> and I'm saying, you know, I, I'm sure you've experienced it, but it's rare yeah. where you just connect that young filmmaker, Miles. Yeah. Just I just met him. His short preceded my my feature. We never met. Hi, hi. We're like, I know we're going to be friends. Yeah. We just we we connected. What is the name of his movie? Aaron, E-R-I-N. Aaron. So when you got to New York, was it uh, acting that you wanted to do? Musicals. It was musicals. musicals. So I was you... never an actor. I've always just been a personality. Yeah. You know, even my Gatino, I'm a storyteller. You know, yeah. I'm not really an actor. I'm, I'm a storyteller. I was watching this documentary about Steven Spielberg, and he is they've got these whole movies similar to the ones you guys have, where he's with these four iconic filmmakers, one of them being George Lucas, one of them uh, Dino De Laurenti, um, and there's another one that I can't remember. But uh, but it it makes you it makes you realize that you may be and like you were with people that will make history. Well, I think those kind of people attract each other. If uh, uh, Miles' film hadn't been so good, I don't know we would have connected so much, but it was, it was so good that you start to connect on that. Yeah. Is that how you are, Dan? If, it, if the film wouldn't have been so good, maybe you don't connect with the guy? I would have dumped him like a hot patootie. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just saying that You're attracted that, to talent is that's what you're right. saying, right? I'm attracted to talent, and I respect talent. Yeah, you, you do. Know? Uh, after in, getting him back to New York for a second, because it ties in with talent, yeah. uh, I, I did do musicals and all kinds of stuff in new york i never did broadway but i did lots and lots of stuff and but it was hard because we, you're talking the 60s yeah and to them i was like what are you they thought it was oftentimes i would not get roles because the agent thought i was um the producers thought i was too mediterranean mm. they didn't know what a chicano was there was one mexican restaurant in all of manhattan oh, one. is that true it probably wasn't down very in good. the village taco bell <laughs> no, just pre-Taco Bell. Puerto Ricans hadn't even started yet. Yeah. You know, so I was really some odd <laughs> right. creature. So at one point, quite by accident, um, I started working for uh, my own agent. And I really liked it. And all of a sudden, I found myself being a Broadway theatrical agent, which I was for about a dozen years. Wow. From a chorus line to Cats. Yeah. My first contracts were half the original cast of Chorus line, the original. That's My amazing. last contract was uh, Cats for Old Deuteronomy. Ken so let's Page. let's let's focus in on this for a sec because this is interesting. So you were in musicals in school. You went to New York after college. You were doing what you thought you wanted to, which, which was acting and singing on, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. in stage, and eventually get to Broadway. You end up working for your agent, and then the opportunity to have a career shows up. Yes. It started part-time. Yeah. Well, you can do auditions and go off and do yeah, time. And all of a sudden, I was running the office. Right. And I, and I, and I enjoyed going to see some little church basement theater. <gasps> I love her. And, and you know, I, I liked it. And, and so what? Why not? Why not? I, you know, I've kind of gone where life takes me. Yeah. You know, I think you have to be flexible in yeah. life. You can have your dream. But let me tell you, it's not a straight line. 
No. You make a left, you make a right, you go over that rock, you go under that bridge. Sometimes it's not pretty, yeah. but you know, you just move forward. I'm all about moving forward, no matter what. Even there are times when you think, oh, okay, I'm never going to work again, or oh my God, the mortgage is due, and I, when, when is that check coming in, or whatever. But you can't let it stop you. Were there people discovered that you can remember? Well, I was the first line? agent for a little girl named Sarah Jessica Parker. <laughs> wow. Wasn't uh, she an Annie? <laughs> no. Yes. She was, but, right? But after. Oh, after, after, yeah. No, I literally talk about a casting director. Casting director, a friend of mine, had uh, a cast all everything when Pinter uh, was, was doing, you know, when a Pinter play would come to Broadway. Yes. And he called me and he said, Dan, do you represent children? I said, well, I don't, but the agency has the children's aid. He said, there are this brother and sister that are understudying the two kids in The Innocence with Claire Bloom. They're spectacular. They came here from Ohio on Easter break. You've got to come see them. I said, well, I'll bring the children's agent. And so I did, and it was an 11-year-old Sarah Jessica and her brother uh, Toby. And we signed them, and even though I was not the children's agent, she and I connected. Like Miles and me, right? And yeah, Carlos exactly. And me. She had talent. Yeah, yes. she had talent. We just connected, and uh, and I still know her to this day. And you know, and every time we meet, she goes, "You know, oh, this is my first agent." I mean, she's oh, she's, she's lovely. A, she's a darling, darling woman. So uh, yeah, so you know, but a lot slipped through your fingers. I remember there's all this buzz. There's this woman. She's fantastic. She's gonna do Barnum on Broadway, and she's here. She's gonna Glenn Close, <laughs> or there's this kid. He just got out of uh, acting school. He just arrived, and and my my best friend, who's now New York's top entertainment attorney, Mara, hey, well, you got to meet this new kid. And I tried and I could never sign him because he was so busy. And that was Tom Cruise. Oh, so man. the interesting thing is that real talent, you see it early, yeah. you know. So when they say this one discovered them, anybody would have. That's and, right. You know, they're just, they're just there. So who gets there first? Yeah. You know, so. Well, um, we're going to fast forward to um, 12 years after you, you know, you became an agent, but I got to tell you a story about Tom Cruise real fast. So my brothers, right? They're East LA. We're all from East LA. Uh, they're very Latino, very Chicano. And um, my brother Rick uh, and Victor in the kitchen one day, and I'm young. I'm, I must be in my teens. And Are you the baby? I am, yeah. And and uh, LA Times shows up, and Tom Cruise is in it. And my brother looks over at me and goes like, Hey, uh, did you see this dude, uh, the, this uh, Mexican guy, Tom Cruise? He's doing, he's doing, he's doing good, Holmes. <laughs> so they thought he was Mexican because his name was Tom Cruise. That changed, that changed quick. Yeah. But um, let's so let's fast forward. So you, uh, you have like this great career uh, as, uh, as an agent, yeah. working with actors, and yeah. twelve years passes, and you're doing great. And then what happens? Like what road? Oh, really? Yeah. After, you know, it was really, it was about a dozen years. And I thought, if I look at one more eight by 10 glossy with <laughs> a resume and, uh, you know, and I was going to theater, you know, five nights a week. And I mean, it was a great life, but it, it wasn't even so much that as much as New York was getting to me. Um, the brutal hot summers and the freezing winters. And, and by that time, this thought process, I'm 38, 39. Did you live in Manhattan? Uh I lived in Manhattan. You did? Oh, okay, that's hard. 75th and Columbus. But then I moved to Brooklyn Heights, okay. right along the river there, and I was there for like 15 years. But I, it was New York was making me crazy, and I thought, you know what? I don't want to be 65 years old, which now to me seems young, by the way. <laughs> You're a I don't kid. want to be 65 and, and walking down the street afraid to slip on the ice or, go, <laughs> or going up and down subway stairs. I, I just don't want to do it. So at age 40... 
I did almost what I did at age 21. I went back to L.A. I knew no one except my parents. Right. I didn't know anybody, and I was 40. Mm. And I didn't know what I was going to do. I knew I was not going to be an agent. I thought, well, see what happens. Maybe I'll go back to acting. or you know, I, I just didn't know. I just knew I, it was time for me to leave New York. So as opposed to a four-flight walk-up with, you know, one bedroom and a kitchen the size of this coffee table here, <laughs> I come out and I rent two bedrooms, two bathrooms, big terrace. For the in same West, price. In West Hollywood. Yeah. And I'm like, well, this was a good move. Mm. So I didn't know what I was going to do. But, you know, your reputation precedes you. Right. And while you're busy doing your work and doing your work, you're not thinking that you're building a reputation. You're building a name. You never think about it. You're just doing your job and paying your bills. And a lot of actors that you had met trusted you. There was a lot of trust yes. in, in the idea that Dan Guerrero was an honest, hardworking, uh, trustworthy Correct. industry person. With good taste. With good taste. Because I get a call one day from a casting director friend in New York who knew all those things you're talking about. Right. I always send him good people, right. blah, blah, blah. What are you doing? I said, I'm, un I'm unpacking my Barbra Streisand album. Right. <laughs> he goes, uh, Tommy Toon is going to be uh, going out there to do uh, uh, Nine. And uh, do you want to cast it? It, it starts at the Amas. And then, uh, oh, okay, sure. Because in those days, there was still money. The producers would do all their New York auditions. And then they would hire someone in L.A. to do, you know, two, three weeks, see 300 people and then pick five of the best for each role, and they'd fly out on a weekend and see everybody. People they really liked, they flew back to get into the mix for finals there. So before I knew it, I was casting Torch Song Trilogy. I was sitting with Arthur Lawrence and Stephen Sondheim casting this, and, and which I loved even more because as an agent, you're dealing only with the casting person. Yeah. But as a casting person, you're dealing with the director, the real creative Well, you have source. an impact, right? Yes. You can say, hey, by the way, I, I really, this person is. Yes, right, yeah. and you can talk them into it. Yeah. And that's when, and of course, I came out thinking there's going to be a big Latino market. We're talking 1982. Mm. I thought there ain't going to be many Chicanos or Latinos with my background. Right. I had been quote, in the mainstream yeah. for 20 years. Yeah. I didn't need to cross over into it. No. <laughs> well, was I shocked when I got here? And there wasn't any market. There was a handful of Latino actors, no Latino producers, no Latino directors, no nothing. Right. You know, but when, as casting, when you say activist, there's all kinds of ways to be an activist. So I'm casting, and I'd bring, I'd look at a script, and I'd say to the guy, you know, this role here just says doctor, you know, blah, blah, and there's three good scenes. Couldn't that be a Latino? It takes place in L.A., uh, oh, okay. So I'd bring in Latino actors, you know, mm -hmm. and um, uh, including a pubescent eight or nine year old Mario Lopez, by the yeah. way. Oh, really? Yes. Hey, Rio. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there, were, there was Lupe Antiveros, there was Robert Beltran, Richard Iniguez. There was maybe 10 actors, and that was pretty much Tony it. Plano. Tony, Tony. And Can uh, I just ask you real quick about Tony Plano? Tony Plano. Yeah, Tony Plano is, uh, is like Pacino level. Ability. Oh, he's a fantastic. Yeah, actor. I mean, but there are some, you know, Sal Lopez. Yeah. I mean, there. I'm sorry, they're as good as any fucking. Oh, can you say fucking? Yeah, sure. Uh, you yeah. know, actor. Yeah, uh, but it is more difficult. Hi, darling. How are you? Uh, <laughs> Does um, see, he's a star uh, it, it, here in Sedona, man. 
Gatino. Gatino's doing oh. very well. <laughs> Edward James almost, Tony Plana, people like that, do they have trouble or did they have trouble at some point getting parts or were they just always just superb? You know, a lot of it is timing. Look at Eddie Olmos. He became a star because Zoot Suit. Yeah. You know, overnight he was suddenly there and all and there was something exotic about <gasps> a Mexican, a Chicano actor, like they never thought of it. So if a role would come up, how much competition do you think there was? Not a lot. That's right. Right. Same thing for me. You know, when I started producing. Yeah, say, by the way, we're going to get to you producing because that's a big part of your life, too. Part. You did some huge things. Um, but, um, yeah, I saw I worked my very first thing I ever worked on uh, in the business was Three Amigos. Oh, yeah. So I got to be right there when Tony Plana and yeah. Alfonso Arau uh-huh. were doing their scenes, you know, uh-huh. and I just thought these guys are and they were the movie. I mean, I know Chevy Chase, Steve Martin, Martin Short were in it, but they were the movie. Yeah. Tony Plana and uh, and Alfonso Arau were killing the movie. Right? Oh, they were yeah. just taking yeah. it over every yeah. scene they were in. So you're casting young Hollywood, young Latino Hollywood and bringing in the men and influencing right. producers to give right. Latinos a shot. Right. And at the same time, I'm writing a weekly entertainment column for Dramalog. Remember oh, wow. Dramalog? Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. And of course, every two or three issues, I'd feature a Latino. You know, I think I might have been almost Jimmy Smith's first interview when he came out for L.A. Law. Uh-huh. Another you know, great one. Yeah. As soon as I saw Latino, I want to interview him, mm-hmm. you know, and that darling man, he, to this day, he is the... He's just the dearest, greatest guy. He was one of the very, very, very first when I did the crowdfunding campaign for mm-hmm. Gatino, who who that donated. Who I, donated I must have been Jimmy. up at the top of the list too. Huh? I must have been up at the top of the. I must have gotten lost donation. in the mail because no. I don't recall a check. <laughs> I think no, I did it on uh, online with my credit card. Oh, you did. I did. Oh, yeah. well, thank you very much. Might, I might have decided not to put my name on it. I don't that's, know. That's possible because some people said no. Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> Um, anyway, yeah. So Jimmy yeah. Smith, yeah. Jimmy Smith. So I was, you know, writing about Latino actors. Yeah. I was trying to cast them as best I could. Were you getting resistance or you were just oddly sneaking enough, it in? No. Yeah. No, oddly enough, no. And that's why I get pissed because I have friends, not long ago, a friend of mine, big director, I won't say who, did a one hour pilot for ABC, I think, and it was a drama in LA today. And he invites people to his home to see it. There's maybe 20 of us there. And, um, do you think there was a Latino? As we all do, I'm sitting there waiting, waiting. Right. All right, well, you're waiting, and wait. nothing. So it's over. It was ah. The screen goes up, and I go, "Excuse me, let me ask you something." I couldn't help it. I said, "Did you not see any Latino actors?" Well, oh yeah. I said, and there wasn't one, not a single <laughs> one, that was good enough here. Well, you know, and everybody's like, oh, you know. I know, but I'm, I, I didn't care. I thought, what the fuck? How, how can you? Go? I said, I can think of 10 right now for every role there that could have right. been a Latino. Right. I, it, you know, still amazes me because it's not hard, but it does take somebody from the inside. When I was casting, you can influence. Right. But if there's no Latino involved in the project at all, which is usually the case, it doesn't even occur to them. They're not keeping us out on purpose. Doesn't even occur to them, which is even worse. Yeah, in my book, I think it's important that we do our jobs in presenting ideas but rather you can than only getting do upset. Do your job if you're there. Thank I was, God they I was asked. part of that. What did they call us? Cultural Advisory Council for Coco. Yeah. Oh wow. Oh yeah. And they were smart, and they were wonderful. Was it? Was there a lot of conversation? Oh about, my God! Yeah. Yes. Oh no 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 no. They had. They. I think there were three groups. 
and all Latino educators, uh, musicologists. Uh, I don't know what I fit in, but I was there too. Yeah. Luis Valdez, uh, Lalo Alcaraz, uh, Herb Siguenza. And the first time we went up, uh, they showed us. It Did was you just, also do a voice? No. Oh, no. You I were just I, consulting. Herbert did. Yeah, I know Herbert. <clears throat> I, um, it was, a, what do you call it? Line drawings. Just sketch. And, and a VO track. The script was pretty well finished. A VO track with just, you know, the secretary. Here, read this. You know, not, not actors. Uh, except Rene Victor was one of them. And afterwards, I said, was that Rene Victor? And they go, yeah. But anyway, it was just, and let me tell you, already it was fantastic. Yeah. And I was so nervous because I thought, oh, my, they flew us up there to Pixar and everything. And I thought, what if I hate it? Or what, what did we say? And, you know, you don't, you don't want to insult them, but that's why they brought you. Was there comments? Did you have of comments? Of course. Yeah. But only cultural. And that's yeah. the whole point. Yeah, right. My first one was, excuse me, you've got Miguel and, and his abuelita saying, here, mijo, uh, put this uh, picture on the altar. And he runs in. He puts a picture on the altar and runs out. I said, nobody's going to know what the hell that altar is. Right. Does it, uh, so make now, the sign as of the you cross know, there's a whole scene where she explains the altar to right. Miguel. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. You know? Now, I'm not saying... But I'm the, the influence only... of, the, of the opinions yes, made a difference. But the best yeah. one, and it might have been Herbert, I don't know, but somebody said, yeah, the scene where she's chasing with a broom, it should be a chancla. <laughs> yeah. <it's laughs> we, and then we were all, yeah, yes, yes, oh, the chancla. Chancla is awesome. Chancla. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know? So they listened. Yeah. They listened. They took our advice. Um, I, I think we went up over a year or so, uh, three times maybe wow, as it went so along. Cool. But I'm saying they did it right, and it paid off. Yeah. And the, um, I think he was co-director, head writer, Adrian Molina, uh-huh. a gay Tino. And great guy. So they had somebody who knew the culture, and he's yeah. very gifted. I think he's, he's been with them a while. They didn't bring him in for this. He yeah. worked there already. But this gig was a big jump for him. I just got an email from him, as a matter of fact. Nice, nice, nice guy. Young. You know, I don't know. 30s or something but uh but they did it right that's awesome well you know that's different than um a mexican-american consultation that is actually culturally it has to be culturally yes, correct yeah absolutely they were very smart don't forget the disaster of that other day of the dead movie I right it was the book of life or something i never life. saw it right. but you know they roasted it right so when they decided to tackle the theme uh, they said you know let's do this right and yeah they did. you can't just dip it in uh in cultural you have to it has to come from the inside um, it's funny because I, um, I tried so hard not to cry in that movie. Oh, it's uh, impossible. I was like, I'm not going to cry. No, I, mean, I cried every time. I said, I'm not, time. I ain't tripping. <laughs> and then every time I cried. At the he end. cried twice yesterday, by the way. <laughs> Shut up. During Gatino? <laughs> I, no, I, I teared was, up a little bit. It was after he missed his putt. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's funny. Oh God. Um, you know, golfing people, they're, they're in their own breed. <laughs> it was terrific. Oh God. What a beautiful time we've had. But, um. So let me ask you this. Of all the parts that were in Pixar's Coco, there was not one part for Mario Lopez? Never mind that. How about Dan Guerrero? <laughs> That's right. You should have got there. I'm sorry. The hell with Mario. By, by the way, Rio can't do it. He's too busy. He's doing 50 other things yeah. at the same time. Um, thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Um, so Coco was an important movie. Of course. It made uh, it made a, it had a huge impact. 
worldwide. Yeah. It wasn't just, oh, it was big in Mexico Bro- or no, big broke in the records. U.S. China. I think one of the biggest money makers w- was China, you know? It was, so, so, of course, you would say, all right, now there's going to be 10 more animated features of uh, Latino. Not yet, but uh, Adrian, who just, as I say, emailed me. Thank, thank you. you. That it just emailed me. Um, said he's working on a new Latino product. Because it takes years, as yeah. you know. By the time we saw line drawings, they've been working on it for three years right. or something. So um, there will be others. There will be others, I hope. So moving on from that... Um, you had your career as a casting director, which was enormously successful. Um, then you became a producer. By accident. How, again, again, someone said, hey, no, can you come produce this? No, this is a great story. And I say it not because uh, it makes me look good, but so people know that, some, especially our people, sometimes you just have to go, uh, what about me? Right. You know, and, and sometimes we're not good at that. We're like, well, if they want me, they'll ask. No. You know, you can't. So I'm writing uh, the, the entertainment column. I'm casting. And big things. I'm not casting little things. No, you're doing here. huge, big huge things. things. And, um, and I, I, I didn't cast commercials, but I did a couple for some reason. And, and, and the Spanish language actors would come in, and they didn't know how to audition because yeah. they never get a chance yeah. to. So I started the first bilingual TV commercial workshop. Oh, wow. And I taught that. So I was doing all these things and making a dime at each in order to get 30 cents. And, um, and I'm like, this is getting ridiculous. I'm running around like a madman. And one day I come home. Remember answering machines? Yes. <laughs> there was a, and, I, and I go, hello, my name is uh, Kieran Fisher. And uh, we're doing a, a Spanish language product. I thought, oh, yeah, even less money. I thought <laughs> to myself. And uh, project. And, um, and uh, we understand you really know the community. So if you could call me back. Here's another lesson. Return every, every call. Every phone call, yeah. Return every call. Like, remember Shaman said the same thing last night. Yeah. Mark Shaman. Yeah. Seven-time Oscar-nominated Mark Shaman. You know. I say, and he's right. I say yes to everything. Right. You don't know, like, well, this job, you don't ever know what, where that's going to take you or what that connection is. You just don't. So um, I, I return the call. And then I hear Goober Peters Television, which, of course, was gigantic. Right. And now, ho, ho, boy, now I'm interested. She comes to the phone. Uh, now, I, we need writers. And I said, well, you know, blah, blah. And I'm By the it. way, they were running Sony. They were the heads of oh, Sony. Oh, yeah. yeah. They were gigantic. They were, they were responsible for Batman. They, They're you know? huge. Yeah. And, and this and that. And we, um, we need this and we need. I said, well, what about me? <laughs> I finally got sick of I said, what about me? She said, well, you're a um, casting director. And we already have a talent executive. It's I said, yes, but you're, you're, this, it, this was, by the way, a talk show for Paul Rodriguez. Oh, okay. Because they had a management arm, oh, okay. and they wanted to produce a bilingual uh, uh, a talk show for him. Yeah. And um, I said, yes. I said, but, you know, I was an agent in New York, so I know how to negotiate contracts. I write weekly columns. A talk show is all about interviewing guests and prepping, and I do this, and I do this, and I do that. And she goes, well, I think we should meet. I said, I think we should. So two days later, I go up and I meet with the big honchos. And two days after that, I'm the head writer on the new Paul Rodriguez show. <laughs> I had never even been on a television set. Wait a minute. Wait, time out. You were the head writer? Yes. And I had two writers under me. They were both pissed because they felt they should have. They been the should writers, have. Right? And I say the hell with you. No. So um, head writer. And we do 13 shows. And then I'm bumped up to co-producer. 
Wow. And then I get bumped up to, to executive, executive yeah, producer. Yeah, sure. I saw that coming. And then I was running Paul's company with two other partners, his Brilliant. production company. Uh, that was three years. For three years. And of he that. was the biggest. Uh, he was hotter than hot yeah, at that time. The, Here's another break. Uh, Eddie Dominguez. Eddie Dominguez. Who Roberts, we know, yeah. Okay. Calls me. Hey, there's this wonderful uh, uh, novella actress. She's beautiful, and she wants to break into Hollywood. Who doesn't? And I'm still trying myself. Trying to break into Hollywood, and, um, and she's going to be here for a month or whatever, but she can't get that kind of visa unless she has a job. Would you put her on your show? I said, well, send me some stuff on her. So they sent me some this clippings. Is the gay I, mafia is, is yeah, at work is here. Is at work here. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, there are four of us, <laughs> and the Latinos, and the others. The gay Latino yeah. mafia, which is and, much smaller. Yeah. And so uh, I look at the photos. I thought, well, she's pretty, you know, fine. I said, okay, book her. Well, sh- of all things, she's late. Right. And I'm not happy because we would do three one-hour talk shows with three different music guests and our, in one day. Wow. We, once That's a month, so non-union uh, Latino of you. <laughs> one, one, but it was a quality. Believe no, me. No, but why three? In, oh, do they? They don't because, do three in a day. No, here's why. Because Paul would be oh, off okay, doing all it. his stuff, yeah, and yeah. once a month on a weekend we do three on Saturday. So that wasn't and three his main Sunday, job. Got it? Because it yeah. was a weekly, mm-hmm. and it was fine for us because we had a whole month yeah. to plan sketches and book blah blah blah. So we're. Schedule, you know, Raquel Wells also fucked me up, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> and so uh, this woman's late, and I'm not happy. Finally, they say, okay, the car just brought her, and, she, and I'm walking toward her, and in she walks, and she is so gorgeous, you cannot talk. Oh, I'm so sorry. And it's Selma Hayek. Right. Selma Hayek's first ever U.S. television appearance was because wow. Eddie Dominguez and I booked her. Can I Can I make a... That's amazing. Can and I, to her credit, to this day, when I run into her, Dan, oh, this... I've, I've, she remembers, she talks about it. Oh, that's wow. That's amazing. Yeah. I got to tell you, uh, there's a connecting um, story here. When I was a young producer, I hadn't produced anything yet. You're still young. <laughs> I wish. Young but when I was a young producer, I hadn't produced anything yet. Eddie Dominguez calls me up and says, hey, um, we're doing this Christmas thing at Channel 22. And, um, you know, would you be interested in producing? And I said, I've never produced anything before. And he says, but you're not afraid of it. (laughs) And I said, no. He goes, "Okay, we'll be here tomorrow at 9 a.m. Wow. So I show up. We love Eddie Dominguez. Yeah, I show up. By my first job ever as a producer, and I don't know that I'd be one today had he not offered that. So I show up there. It's a Christmas show. We don't have any money. They're doing like a special. He says, I'm going to host it because we don't, can't afford to pay anybody. So I'm like, great. So we're running around town uh, shooting the different types of food that Latinos eat for Christmas. It was just a silly show for, you know, for Christmas special. And he says, I've got someone coming in. Must be the same time. That's going to co-host with me. She's a star in, uh, in Mexico on this soap opera. And it's Salma Hayek. No way. Yeah. It might have been. Was it so early she, 90s? Yeah. So she shows oh, up. She shows up and we're taking them all around town and they're doing, like, you know, Eddie's oh. terrific, right? So they're like having the time of their oh lives, eating and feeding each other. And it's Salma Hayek who, oh. who doesn't, no one really knows except for when we go to malls, she's being mobbed by she all of people these people. The yeah. Because so from what I understand. It must have been the same time. It had to be. I bet it was that same So I was starting window. my career when that was going on for you. That's funny. 
And it's funny what you said. You, I don't know how to do one. Just yesterday, I was saying to Miles something when I did the documentary on my dad. He said, "Had you done documentaries before?" I said, "No." I said, "But I've never, I've never done anything until I do it." Yeah. yeah. And he said, "Oh my God, I love that line." But it's true. I had never produced. Yeah. And all, I'm the head writer, and I'm producing. Yeah. But you weren't afraid of it either. I think no. the theme of our show with Dan Guerrero today is don't be stopped. Don't be square. Don't square. <laughs> don't be scared or square. No, you know. Now that being said. You better have talent. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, you know, obviously I have talent. Obviously, you have talent. No, you know? I, I had none. You know, what's funny is that I did that show, and then Eddie's like, "Oh yeah, you're editing uh, the pieces." So I oh got. I remember God. getting into the editing room, and I was like, "Hey, uh, can I see? Is it? Could, could I see that again? Like with a different take?" And the guy turns around and says to me. You know what? This isn't a school for producing. Oh my God! What? This a- is an editing room at a <laughs> studio that does work. So either you tell me what to cut, oh, or rude. you know, get someone who knows how to do it. So I immediately like got like the hair on my neck stood up, and I said, "Okay," and I called the cuts, <laughs> and I did the I did the show that way. It was but amazing. See, but you had the talent to do it. I didn't run out screaming, but uh, but yeah, Eddie Dominguez. Like, you got to give props to Eddie Dominguez. Without him, I would not be a producer. So thank you. Eddie. We love Eddie Dominguez. Yeah. But you know, Does he- that being said, there's plenty of people that have average talent who who do quite well, extremely yeah. But, well. Yeah. But that's because they don't give up. Right. Right. They don't give up. They don't take no. Yeah. You know, they don't take no. That and and some extremely talented people just can't handle that or the rejection or you know. So it's. Because you don't want to be pushy, you don't want to be this. But you know what? More than ever, you better be pushy. Yeah. You better, as I say, if you don't toot your own horn, you remain tootless. Tootless, right? And you don't want to be tootless. Yeah. I'm going to make a I T-shirt like out of that. Yes, you should. You should. <laughs> um, so you did Paul Rodriguez. You had you had success, and then you went on to produce other shows. Yes, because remember we talked earlier about where's the competition? Yeah. I got so well known that you're the any guy. Time, yes, yeah. If there was a Latino themed uh, a, a TV special or a PBS or that, hello Dan, right? I didn't even have a resume. How fun is that? It was pretty friggin' fun. <laughs> Unfortunately, it only lasted a decade. That's still but, a long time. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. No, I had a decade of. I mean, I did tons of things. The um, the irony of a lot of the Latino actors we're talking about is that they don't speak Spanish. I think that's very funny. <laughs> that's I think it's true. very funny. It's true. But they learned Cheech didn't. He's still not so good. Jimmy is good. Almost. No. Nah, oh, no. Eddie, no, Eddie either. I mean, most yeah, of yeah. Because, look, so it was crazy. that generation. Isn't that crazy? Well, it was a generation. Speak English. Be American. You that's, know. My, that's me. Yeah. That's, that's, now, today it's different. The kids are being brought up bilingually. But it was a different time. Eva Longoria didn't speak Spanish. And now, oh, my She's God. She's tremendous at it now. Fantastic. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. for real. Like authentic, yes. Authentic is not just, you know, a, some still speak Pocho Spanish. She sounds Mexican. She directed two episodes of uh, Ashley Garcia, and she also came in and, and did a part on it. Yeah, Do you have time a... for a quick Eva story? Because it's very funny. Of course. I did not know her. And she was, uh, Desperate Housewives hadn't started yet. But already among Latinos, <gasps> there's a Latina lead on Desperate Housewives and all the buzz, blah, blah, blah. So I'm at Paramount, some screening. And I see somebody I know, David, Damien, Figueroa, because they were good friends. Mm-hmm. I saw David, and I, and I thought, oh, I went over to say hello, and all of a sudden I look, and it's Eva Longoria. And he goes, oh, Eva, this Dan Guerrero, and I'm about to say, and she goes, oh, Dan, of course. I auditioned for you once. And, of course, the blood, <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
left my body. I thought, oh, my God, I hope it's a good story. She says, <laughs> um, she says, yes, it was for El Juez. There was a very big hit show called The Judge. Um, this is sometime in the late 80s. And they, whoever owned it or created it did decide to do a Spanish-language version. And I was asked to cast it. That was really hard because they didn't want Pocho Spanish. It right. had to be the real deal Spanish. And sometimes it was the role of a gringo. So I had to find somebody who was blonde, blue-eyed, but perfect Spanish. It was hard. So anyway, but the, they wanted the real deal, no Pochos. So she says, yes, I came in to read for El Juez. I said, oh, my gosh. She goes, and I, I, <laughs> she says, I finished my reading, and, and you looked at me and said, um, you don't speak Spanish, do you, dear? <laughs> <laughs> and when she said dear i thought yeah that sounds like me yeah, yeah. she had you she nailed and i you. said oh my god i'm so sorry she's oh no you couldn't have been nicer about it but that was it it was the deer that made me laugh you don't speak spanish do you dear that's funny <laughs> no and, and gone on to gone on to do amazing things and she's now uh oh she's i adore know, her interest trailblazer she's flawless yeah she's she's a real deal Mario and I talk a lot about, um, you know, he doesn't do that many interviews in Spanish. and uh, we He's from San Diego, right? Yeah. We talk a lot about how pocho we are when we speak Spanish and how it's not super cool to do interviews in Spanish when you know that you're saying words that, you know, are, are, that, that are developed out of, like, East L.A. or, yeah. or Boyle Heights. Yeah. Well, they're not really Mexican. Donde está el carro? Yeah, carro. No like, coche. Carro. Right? Isn't that funny? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Like, I use coche a lot now, but I, I slip and say carro. Don't be afraid. I, I, I mean, I, I wasn't taught Spanish growing up either. The only reason I even got pretty good at it was during Paul's show. Right. Those three years, you know, we had so many. Because uh, we had a mix. We'd have these big, big stars from Mexico sitting with Joan Rivers and Jack Lemmon and Jean-Claude Van Damme. And, I mean, everybody did that show. And so uh, I got pretty good at it. But it's totally bocho. But I don't care. I am a bocho. Yeah. I'm from this side yeah. of the border. Well, yeah. your your parents are American. You're American. Yes. Right? Both my parents were born and raised in Tucson. I was born in Tucson. You know, um, so I don't care. I, I was going to do Gaitino, the play, at the Kennedy Center. Uh, I'm talking, I don't know, eight, nine, ten years ago. And, um, como se llama, Jorge Ramos, mm-hmm. you know, major. He's what, like our Tom Brokaw on Univision. <laughs> and he has a political show on Sundays. Al punto con Jorge Ramos. Right. And his office called and asked if I could, on my way there, go through Miami and tape his show. And talk about Gaitino and my dad. And, and so I'm like, okay. I thought, oh, my God, my Spanish, my Spanish. So the whole time on the plane, I'm going, <laughs> get my own ready. And, um, and I did a 15-minute interview. And, of course, I, I, I knew there were going to be words like, you know, uh, uh, LGBT community or, or <laughs> social justice. And so I remember calling, oh, my God. Caesar's, oh, Christina Chavez. I know Caesar's granddaughter. Sure. I love yeah. her. How do you say social justice is bad? And, and I jotted down a few things. And I did it, and it was fine. And I took Dad's documentary to Cineteca Mexico, mm-hmm. their AFI, and uh, I did a 20 minute QA afterward. And when I didn't know a word, I said, Como se dice, but I just and and, tell and they yell it out. Okay, yeah. fine, go on. I am, I am a pocho. Right. It's not a bad thing. <laughs> Um, so do me a favor. Can you give me uh, a little bit of what you did next? Um, 
just you know you could just name the shows i think you did other talk shows as well didn't you i did a talk show for maria conchita that's Lonzo. right i used to watch that oh yeah, yeah. i love her yeah she's she was a, cool she's a wonderful lady i did a talk show lots of music specials i did a pbs special i was very proud of uh for vicky with vicky carr uh, it turns out that at the same time I went to KCET to pitch this idea, they were in talks with Vicky to do a special, but they didn't know what it was going to be. Yeah. And when I uh, talked to Vicky and she said, I'm in. And what it was, it was all of these big American st- from the American songbook, you know, What a Difference a Day Makes and Moonlight in Vermont. All those beautiful songs were all Spanish language songs first. Right. So this was a one-hour special, 18-piece orchestra. Fun is that? Yeah. Uh, of all these songs in the original Spanish lyric and the English lyric. Oh wow! And we taped it at the um, at the ballroom at the Hill at the uh, Beverly Hilton. Beverly you know, Hilton. Where they do the yes. Golden Globes. Yes. I said I want the setting to be an elegant nightclub of the 50s, like Ciro's, Mocambo, and and black tie audience invited. Uh, only invited audience and uh, and and she had three male guests and um, um, and one of them I said I want one of them to be a Mexican name so that we might get that audience right so I got Pepe Aguilar oh wow so I had Jack Jones Pepe Aguilar and Arturo Sandoval because she had just done a record with him. And uh, they were the three male guests, and they did, you know, everything from Frenesi to What a Difference a Day Make in both languages. You know, Jack would do it in English, you do it in Spanish. And, Amazing. Yeah. And, and Pepe Aguilar with uh, her did, uh, Vicky with, he did, oh my God, Acércate más y más y más. And he did it in English, too. He speaks perfect English. That's amazing, yeah. Perfect. And he was thrilled to be able to sing with a big orchestra, mm-hmm. you know. He always does mariachi, which of course he loves. But so that was a, that. I almost I remember that special too. Yeah, it, I called it big uh, deal. Mem- memories, memorias. Mm-hmm. It was called. Uh, and the other biggie was I co-produced with Quincy Jones. <coughs> <laughs> hey, you for, dropped something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for President Clinton, who was uh, 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 it was the summit of the Americas yeah. was going to be in Miami. And there were going to be 34 world leaders from the Western Hemisphere. Oh, wow. And so Clinton called Quincy to produce some extravaganza. Then the rest is in my head. Quincy called the Kennedy Center to make it a Kennedy Center event, though it was not there. And they got their trillions. And then I always, in my mind, think he went to the World Atlas and saw that most of the Western Hemisphere speaks Spanish. Right. <laughs> and somehow they he called tracked you. me down. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's super cool. Huge. Well, that's a testament to your work and your body of work. Yeah. Huge, huge. And, and we did this. And I'm telling you, the Oscars are a backyard barbecue compared to this. Yeah. We broke it down into uh, you can't do every country. So South America was Brazil and Argentina. And then, of course, Mexico, uh, Central America, the Caribbean, the U.S. and Canada. Yeah. And then we got the biggest names from each of those countries. It was Mammoth. I mean, Maya Angelou talking to Celia Cruz and, uh, you know, uh, Michael Douglas chatting with, uh, you know, Ana Gabriel. It was, 
Amazing. It was really something. So that 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 was a biggie. That was a biggie. I like that. Well, one. Dan, you've done uh, you've done an amazing uh, amount of work in your life. I'm exhausted. Yeah, <laughs> you and Mark Shaman are, are completely uh, need a need a massage. But he's only sixty. I'm right? going to be eighty in October. You don't look anywhere near eighty. You, you're no the way. type. I think I think what they should do is like there should be like this rule that certain people should get more time to live. Like you 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 would definitely be in the category of uh, living to 150. Because you've got so much more to do. It's pos- There's yes, so much more to do. to do. I do um, have a lot to do. But I don't want to. I don't want to st- uh, stop without saying that you know you've made a big difference to you know my career and to a lot of Latino careers and a lot of us coming up in film and television and theater. Uh, and um, and I thank you for all oh. the work that you've done in your life. I think amazing I so. things are coming. So, uh, but I want to. I want to finish off by talking about Gaitino. Oh, We're here yeah. at the film festival. Right. You finished your. You did your. Um, the play uh, that has music in it. You sing. You dance. You tell your story. Why was it important to do Gaitino uh, for you? There were two big reasons. One was that I wanted to celebrate my dad. And I wanted to celebrate Carlos. Um, I'm going to be strong here because I always get emotional. <clears throat> I didn't want people to forget them, you know? Yeah. Uh, so that was a biggie. And the other uh, was that I wanted people to know Chicano history. Even Chicanos don't know Chicano history. Right. It's a very complicated subject. Very complicated <laughs> yeah. subject. But I wanted to celebrate a Chicano culture and the gay experience because right. I would have young gay men shocked when they found out that the first time I saw two men holding hands was in the 70s, late 70s. And I, really? I'm like, what? You think this was all? You know, they have no idea. <laughs> you know, so, and I knew that through my life, it's the same thing when I did dad's documentary, which I call Lalo Guerrero, the original Chicano. Because I knew that through his life and career, you would get Chicano history. Right. And, and I knew I had led an extraordinary life, not because I was extraordinary, but I just did. I had these two forces, and I thought I had a story to tell. But those were the two main reasons. And um, I'm very and – I, and I was desperate to put it on you know, film because I was getting tired of doing it, not to do the show. Right. And, that's nothing. I could do 90 minutes easy. But I had to fly somewhere. Right. Next day, you know, seven hours on my feet rehearsing and tech. Next day, a run through in the morning, performance at night, fly back. It was too much. Keeping you young. Yeah. 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 But, <laughs> yes. But still, the money wasn't good enough for that right. much work. Right. But really, I wanted to preserve the stories. Yeah. And you did. I didn't want to croak and then have all those stories. You know, you produced that magnificent documentary on Carlos, but mine is very different. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm talking about what we were like as kids when we moved to New York and mm-hmm. where are the, who's going to know those stories but me? Right. Nobody. And right. I love, I love that angle where, um, it went from Charles to Carlos. Yeah. That was great. That really got me. Yeah. I was like, oh, my yeah. gosh, this is yeah. amazing. So yeah. so uh, those were the main things. And and I'm thrilled that in addition to finally filming it with only the help of a million friends, financial help, talent help. I had Emmy winners volunteering and running cameras. And really, it was just friends that believed in the project and, and believed in me. I, I was very, well... I'm grateful is not nearly strong enough a word, but I raised enough money that I even did which I thought I'd have to do way down the line. I've already have a Spanish subtitle version. Oh wow, good of for you. Gatino. So I'm starting to uh, 
enter it into film festivals there. And I and I sent the 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 uh, EPK first, which was already translated to Cineteca Mexico. Oh, good. Because I remember, I thought, I hope those people are still there, and they were. And I sent, I said, I'm working on the subtitle, and they wrote back right away, Nelson, and he said, you know, tenemos interés. And so I just sent them the film about two weeks ago. That's great. Uh, and hopefully they'll do... I mean, the ideal thing, the obvious, is to, they could screen it during Gay Pride because Gay Pride in Mexico City is gigantic. Right. Yep. Gigantic. So, you know, and they know, they'll know Dad from Zoot Suit and there's that right. whole segment. So I think there's a good shot, I'm hoping. Yeah, there's so much more to talk about Um you know, we'll have to get together again when you distribute the film and when you find out where it's going. But um, but it is a great movie. It's unique. I think um, I think it deserves to be seen. Uh, and I hope that you find a great distribution platform for it. But, you know, will you let us know where it, where it ends I up? I totally will. Cool. I just Thank- want to say about uh, your father, Lalo, like as soon as I went from uh, the theater, I went and downloaded the that music it was, oh, it, was yeah. it was amazing so i'm gonna go back home yeah. and look up the entire catalog so oh cool you know what else you... suaves oh man that's the, that's the <laughs> jam right isn't there. that that's it the jam. that is the jam that's when i use in the credits that's I perfect mean, oh my god that that's... Oh, now i gotta do it now right. i'm addicted it's... i'm like oh now i have it's to good stuff have yeah Here, here's what i'll do because you've both been so kind um there's a set that's a dvd of the documentary and a cd with 20 of his original recordings Perfect. Including all the Zoot Suit original recordings. And uh, the artwork is by Patsy Valdez. It's oh, a really nice set. So I'll send one to each of you. I'll Thank you. Thank you. Thank so you very much. Um, I need to uh, end with our sponsor, ExtremeMusic.com, who supports us and uh, makes it possible for us to do the show. ExtremeMusic.com is a site that houses library music. Uh-huh. And you can use it for movies, television, oh, oh, commercial yeah, 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 stuff yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. I don't know what it's called. Right, well, right, right. Russ Emanuel came right. up with this is one of the biggest in the world. We had him on the show when we when we first started, and we talked about mariachi music and and authentic you know Latino music. And I went to the site, and they have it. You know, they have all of these different types of music. They have romantic music. They have classics. He's partners with Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer. Shout out to uh, ExtremeMusic.com, where you can actually find anything for all of your music needs. Fantastic. Dan, thank you for being here. Thank, thank you, you for both. joining us so thank early. So and I wish you tons of luck uh, with Gatino. It's terrific. I appreciate it. All right, Hasta thanks. pronto. Thanks and remember, always move forward. That's right. Don't be stopped. And don't your... be scared. Toot your own horn. Toot, toot your, your own, own horn, horn or you shall remain tootless. There you go. <laughs> thanks for being here. See you next time. <laughs> that thanks, was Dan. Fun.